Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Scout Fantasy Sports. All right, it's Dr. Roto. Get out the insurance card. Get out the coke. Okay, the office is open, my friends. Adam Ronis, it's a Friday. End of the week, my friend. Yes, and uh, always good to be towards the end of the week. Get ready for the weekend. Uh, first weekend, well, not first weekend, but the NFL this weekend. I know. I was just saying that to somebody. He's like, what do I, he goes, what are you doing on Sundays? I said, well, this is the first week I'm not watching football. So maybe my son and I will play tennis, maybe go to a movie with the family. Who knows? But uh, seriously, from like August, well, September, September through now, it's like every Sunday is always taking up football. Right, except that one weekend between the Super Bowl, because I know you weren't watching the Pro Bowl, I wasn't. Uh, but now it'll be shifting uh, towards baseball prep. Obviously, no games just yet, but we do have spring training games just around the corner. Uh, so we will have plenty to do soon. We'll be doing those waiver wires on Sunday nights. I know. Now, speaking of baseball, a lot of guys will be playing, except for a guy named Francisco Lindor who just suffered a calf strain out for seven to nine weeks. And, you know, I, I always talk about this, Ronis. A calf muscle is a twitch muscle. You use it to push off. Uh, Josh Donaldson suffered one last year. I mean, I know when you think of Lindor, you're hoping for 25 stolen bases. I think you got to half that number right now. Yeah, definitely a concern here. I mean, there's still a possibility he could be back for opening day. The timetable puts it real close. And anytime you have an injury, sometimes you have to push it back a couple of weeks. So definitely a dev- not devastating, but a tough blow here if you've already taken Lindor third overall. And I would have if I had the third pick. I haven't had the third pick in any draft yet. Uh, he's coming off a monster season where he had 38 home runs. It's the second straight year he's hit 30-plus home runs. The power was one of the question marks when he came up from the minor leagues. Uh, 25 steals last year was a career high. So this is a, definitely a tough break for those that already drafted Lindor and uh, definitely got to push him down the draft board because you don't want to go into the season with your first-round pick knowing there's already a concern because we are going to be hit with injuries throughout the season. And I don't think you want to invest a top-five, top-seven pick in a player that you know is already coming into the season with an injury and maybe it affects him for the first month or two where he doesn't run as much because – you know, he's going to miss basically the entire spring training. So he's going to be behind, and conditioning will become an issue. So, so there's uh, definitely red flags here now. So you know the labor mix draft is on Tuesday. You know I have the third pick. There's no way I'm taking Lindor now. I'm absolutely going to take Jose Ramirez like I did in the FSTA. I'm just saying that right now on, on national radio. That being said, at what point in the draft are you comfortable taking Lindor? Where in the first round, where in the second? I think right now in a 15-team league, I'd probably say late first round is my initial uh, read of this. Uh, you know, you, if you get him on the turn and pair him with someone else, uh, that would so if be you were my... 12, if you were at 11, 10, 11, 12, 13, you pass? 
Uh, I might at this point. Wow. Could you imagine Lindor being a second-round pick? He could. I mean, again, you don't it, – it's difficult to take someone that you know is already dealing with an injury. And we know for sure he's going to miss some time. See, my problem is I don't mind the missing time. I don't. That part I can get past because, you know, maybe guys, some guys don't hit that well in April anyway. It's the speed because you want 35 home runs and 25 stolen bases from Lindor. But I'm telling you, Adam, I think the number right now has got to be 15 or less. Yeah, if he goes down to 10 stolen bases, it, it, it hurts his value a little bit. I mean, again, every, all the other numbers should be there. I mean, guy scored 129 runs last year. I know there's some questions right now with this Indians lineup, especially in the outfield. Uh, but still, hitting atop the order, uh, Ramirez behind him, or Kipnis and Ramirez behind him. So the numbers still should be good, but that's the biggest concern is, you know, does this limit him running on the base pass? And, you know, that's part of his value. I mean, that's one of the reasons why he's going so early is the five categories that he can give you. And you take away the stolen bases, then it's a, a little bit of a concern. It's interesting. I'll have to see the labor draft order. I, don't, I didn't pay attention, but I think somebody around 12, 13, 14 will take Lindor thinking that's too good value to pass up. Maybe like Stefania Bell. I think she has like pick 14 or something like that. I could see Stefania taking that. Maybe she knows something that I don't. Right. I mean, obviously she's going to use her medical expertise to kind of figure out what the extent of this is. And, uh, you know, I, I, I could see myself taking him in, in late first round. I, I just started a draft yesterday. I kind of wish it started today just to kind of see because I had pick 11. So uh, I would have been put in the fire and then tested right there. It's easy to say, oh, I'll do this. But what happens when you're on the clock? You would have been very proud of me yesterday, Adam. I went on to a few sites to look to uh, play another draft champions, but I, I decided not to. So why would I be proud of that? I endorse uh, drafts. No, because I'm like, because remember we talked about yesterday just drafting, drafting, and then being stuck with the team, and I don't want it later on. I, 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 I step back. Yeah, even just setting a weekly lineup, that's too much. I'm already in one draft champions. I'm in tout. I'm in labor. I'm in FST, and I'm in my home league. I, but trust me when that's I tell it. you. So five? But, Plenty. Five that's plenty. Cap. Dude, it is plenty. Because by the time I get to August, I'll be interested in zero. Uh, that's well, my problem. I'm so, I get so locked into football, dude. That multitasking, I, I, like, Doc. That's what I, you got to do. I'm not that bright. I'm not, I not? have to channel I my inner Ronus. <laughs> I, I thought you're smart, man. You always claim that you're smarter than everyone. What happened? I am smarter than everybody. I'm smart enough to know I only should do five leagues. <laughs> well, you know what? That <laughs> and I'm 10. One of, that's one of the things in life. You have to know what you're good at and your limitations. And I think that's where a lot of people fail. I do think a lot of people take on way too many drafts because it goes back to what we discussed yesterday. We love drafting. There's a thrill of drafting. But you have to remember, that's only a piece of it. You still have to manage your team the rest of the year. So uh, I've tried to cut back. I think I was probably in 12 last year. I don't think I'm going to be in double digits this year. I'm hoping not. I mean, as of right now, I don't see it. And I don't see myself really adding anything. So uh, I, I think, take... I honestly, yeah, I think five is in, for baseball is a real good number for me. I think I can handle it. Football, I've been as high as 20. I find that's a little too much. I'd rather be in that 15 range, to be quite honest with you. I don't know how Chad Schrader does it. I have no clue how that guy and Kimra and those people have 150 teams. You know I, why? At 20, my head is spinning. Do you know why? Do they hire somebody to help them? I'm not sure about that. I asked Chad that. He said no when I had him on air here in late December. I don't know if I believe that. Well, yeah. Uh, well, when you profit and you make money, that's why you do it. <laughs> it's simple, right? I mean, they're making money off it. They, they're, they're definitely finishing in the positive. That's why they continue to do it. 
No, I, I mean, I get, look, I but think it I is a lot too. of work, man. I think it I really could is. too. Derek they probably, Pearson. Well, here's the, you know, I, I don't know what they do outside of this, but they probably spend all day. I would say Monday and Tuesday. Well, Pearson would tell you Tuesday and Wednesday, and Derek and I are good friends. Tuesday and Wednesday, he couldn't even be with his family. He was just right. doing moves because he was in so many leagues. And look, you can't afford to make a mistake. No. That's the problem. You, you miss one player in one league, it could be it costs you ten thousand bucks. Right, when you're playing at that level and in that many leagues. So yeah, look, and if they're putting in the work and they're putting in the time and they have the knowledge, they deserve to win. I've always said that. If you put in the work, the time, and the effort, and you're good at it, you deserve to win. So if, if I hire an associate, though, the only thing I'd have that person do is call the free agency for me. Like, go down the list so I don't have to do it, and then I can process who I want to bid on. I don't even know how I'd use somebody like that. How, what, I wouldn't tell the guy to bid for me because he, I wouldn't want him to screw it up. Right. Yeah, I guess, it's just, I guess it's just the fatigue of just, you know, looking at each league, you know, consistently. And, you know, you get that tired and you might miss someone. That's what right. you want to avoid. It's like but after I also, your 50th yeah. league, you're looking that way. Right? You're just like, oh, I've seen all these names already. Well, do you, do you, you know, also, especially for baseball, each league is different in terms of how much guys bid, right? So imagine doing more Rotowire online championship leagues. Let's say you're in 10 of those. One league, you might get Joe Kelly for a dollar, and another league, Joe Kelly goes for $106. You've got to pay attention to things like that. Yeah, it happens in football, too. I remember several years ago, when we were both bidding in different leagues, I Keenan think it was Roto Bowl back then. Yeah, for yep. Keenan Allen. Keenan and you got, got him at a really bucks. cheap price. Yeah. And I was like, what? And I, <laughs> I put in a bid like three times yours, and I lost it by like 100 bucks. So that's why I've always said like that's one of the hardest things to explain to people is waiver wire and how much to bid because there's no science to it. Because you could look at the different prices across leagues. And one league, it's 423 bucks. The other one, it's 112 So how do you recommend to someone when the disparity is like that? That's actually my biggest problem. It is my biggest problem with high-stakes leagues because you can get in the league with guys who are saving their money to the end of the year, and then you've got guys who are spending $732 on Damien Williams. And I don't know whether the best player wins in a league. That's because people there, there's other things that you can't uh, – Control. Can't count control. That's right. That's the right word. Now, I, what, didn't Philip Lindsay go for like seven, eight hundred bucks in some leagues last year? Yeah. And then, and then in some leagues he went for a hundred. Yeah. Right. And, you know, so when someone recommends something like you give them an estimate bid, I mean, I do the fab guide every week and you know, yeah. I'm just trying to give an estimate. And I always put the disclaimer at the top like, you know, your league better than me. If it's an aggressive league, you know, bump up the bid. It's really kind of a, a feel for it. I mean, obviously, week one is very tough because. If you're in the league with people you don't know, you don't have no history to go on. But as the weeks go on, you can kind of get an idea of the aggressiveness of your league. And I guess it's the same in baseball as well. I think it is truly the most frustrating part of leagues. I mean, I was in a, an NFBC league years ago when Jose Fernandez was out there. And he went for like $990. Yeah, I remember I like, seeing a couple guys. How do that. I deal with that? I mean, I, I think I put 500 bucks, and I thought that was an overly aggressive bid at the time. Yeah, and every league is different. That's the problem. And, you know, I don't think many people would be that aggressive on a free agent after week one. Obviously, with Fernandez, it worked out in a big way. Hopefully, the 10 bucks left was well spent. Maybe 10, 10 bids from a dollar the rest of the way. Uh, it, it puts you in a huge hole. But then again, you got a elite pitcher in Fernandez that year. 
the tout wars list came out and uh, today i don't know if you saw it but tout does something interesting where the top three guys get to keep their free agent budget the middle guys lose a few dollars and the bottom guys lose a lot i kind of think there's something good about that like it, it encourages encourages you to stay in the top three if you don't want to lose your fab money I don't think it's top three. It's a, a certain amount of points. I don't know if they do it different in the head-to-head because it's a different system, but I know you have to reach a certain uh, amount Threshold. of road points. Yeah, okay. and then you get deducted based on how you, how far below you finish above that. So, uh, uh, yeah, that, I know that's how they do it in the mixed league. I don't know. Maybe the head-to-head is different just because there's no – it's not a roto, it's a record. So maybe it's wins there or, or did, something. Did you see there's a new tout league, the draft and hold league? Is that like a modified dynasty this year? No, that's basically a draft champions league. You just draft your team, that's it, and you just set your lineup each week. So it's similar to NFBC. So they oh. – you know, another way to bring in more participants to tout. And I like it. A lot of names that I know on this list, including our boy Matt Modica, who I had on yesterday. So good to see him in there. Oh, Michael Modica's Flor- part of Tout now. Good for him. Yeah, Michael Florio, um, who's with Antrax now, and he won an FSWA award this past week. So he's like my student. Uh, I always keep in touch with him. Uh, Vlad Sedler, who he knows. A, well, Vlad won head to head a couple of years ago. He yeah. beat me in head to head. Yeah. He's Excellent high stakes player and DFS player. Uh, Doug Anderson, we used to work with. Yeah. Anthony I know from Rotoball. So. Uh, yeah, a lot of people I know in there. I would like to move to the uh, mixed league auction, um, I, but I, I, I don't. I, I feel like I can't ask to move unless I win. Like until I win, I don't think I, I deserve the right to ask to move. Yeah, I said I was willing to move a couple of years ago. They never moved me. I don't know if they just like the rival between me and Rudy. And I guess until one of us lose, I don't know. I mean, no, I'm you're, the, you're the mixed draft, though, right? Right. So, but yours isn't live, right? No, it's online March 5th, so uh, about four Right, weeks. see, I'd rather be in your league, and you could be in my league because you could draft, and I could stay at home, save my money. I don't want to be in a head-to-head league. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Uh, but, yeah, so, uh, you know, I won it two years in a row, and then Rudy won it the last two years, so best of five this year, I guess. I'm going to pull that number, Ronas, try to get into your league just because I don't want to travel anymore. How do you not like coming to New York, man? First of all, it's too cold. Well, it's hit it's or way miss. too cold for me. Well, it's it de- way it de- too cold. It Anything under 70 is too cold for me, Ronas. Uh, there's a slight <laughs> chance we are at 70 when you hear. I, I would take the under if we're doing prop bets. Uh, right and there's now, a slight it, chance it's going to be snowing, too. It's St. Patrick's Day weekend. It's 55 right now. Here. Yeah, trust me, in another month it'll be 12, and I'll be screaming your name and not good words. <laughs> I, I doubt it'll be 12 on that at Mar. It's possible. I, look, the weather is crazier. It's, it was like 60 the other day. I know, like but to the, air, the airfare, you, all right, I know this sounds crazy. The airfare getting too tout, not that bad. Coming back to Florida in March, oh, my God, rip-off city. Spring training. Yeah, that, I know. Oh, they, they, spring training, spring break, spring anything down here in Florida. Oh, yeah, that's Literally, right. jack it break. up. Yeah, yeah, so that's it. Okay. I can get to New York for 70 bucks a, coming home. It's like train, 300. Take a train back. Oh, yeah, that's good. I'm sure the wife will like that. <laughs> Who will like that? <laughs> I'm sure the wife will like that. Honey, I'll be home in four days as She'll I be take like, the good, train. Good, I need a break from you. <laughs> she might say that. It's possible. <laughs> you know, I, so I was at the Super Bowl party, and my friend's wife was begging me to take him away on vacation. Was she telling the truth and just wait? Wait, say that, that again. Say that so again? I was. My friend's yeah. wife was begging me to take him on a vacation. <laughs> like she's like, take him to Vegas. Like when we go. She needs a the- break. That means she needs a break. That means he snores in bed and she wants to sleep one good night. Or, or was she just doing that openly? And then like when I left, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Was it? Is it to, right. be, to show like? 
Yeah, she, I she's let the him do what she's he the wants. cool girl. She's the cool girlfriend or cruel cool wife, and then right. And then when I left, you, you know, I just said that you're not going anywhere. Well, it, it's funny because I think Mrs. Zerodo doesn't. Well, she minds when I leave because the house is feels emptier, right? Okay, but it's she more may quiet. sleep better because I don't rip the blanket off her. But at the same time, I'm not there, so it's like damned if you do and damned if you don't. Isn't that life? Yeah, pretty right. In a microcosm, I feel like it's weird when my family's away because they go away in June sometimes, and I stay home. It's weird to be in the house without them. I I live alone. I'm good with it. (laughs) I'm used to it. (laughs) I I enjoy it. It's like I didn't say it's a bad weird. I just said it's weird. (laughs) Then when someone's here, it's like, all right, you've been here three days. Can you leave? I need some space. Exactly. (laughs) I I don't like guests. That's why it's going to be a big adjustment for me if I ever get married. That's true. Have you ever lived with somebody? No. I mean, I've spent like, you know, five days in a row, then go home for a couple, four days in a row, go home. Uh, okay. so but you always had the home to go home to. Yeah, at least I had that buffer for a few days. What was the yeah. term George used in Seinfeld? I forgot. There was a term know. he used. I, don't know. I used to watch that show every week, and now I don't even remember it anymore. Oh, I love that show. I don't. Yeah. I haven't watched it lately. I like. You still watch reruns too. at like eleven o'clock at night? Do they yeah, have that of course. Anymore? Yeah, I think they still do. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back from USA Today, Steve Gardner's with us. He's the commissioner of the labor draft. We're doing that next week. We'll preview labor with Steve Gardner. We'll talk a little FSTA with him as well. When we return right after this. Outside of Boston, you're talking Milwaukee, Toronto, and Philadelphia all made big moves to bolster their rosters. What we have here is going to be an absolute bloodbath in the Eastern Conference during the playoffs. That might be the most interesting part of the NBA playoffs this year is seeing the Eastern Conference playoff battle and who ends up coming out of it. Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. Hi, my name is Lily. My mom and dad used to fight about money all the time. Then one day, I heard them talking about this guy. Some uncle I never knew calls Uncle Sam. Well, they say this Uncle Sam guy wanted them to pay him like a gazillion dollars. And they didn't have a gazillion dollars. So they called this company they heard on the radio called The Tax Doctor. And the tax doctor worked with Uncle Sam's people. I think they're called the IRS. And they're able to work it out so my mom and dad didn't have to pay Uncle Sam very much money at all. So now mom and dad are happy. And I'm happy too. Thanks, tax doctor. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, call now and pay less. 800-215-1727. 800-215-1727. That's 800-215-1727. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. All right, we're back with Scout Fantasy Sports. Dr. Roto along with Adam Ronis here. Very excited for our next guest. We know him from the FSTA. We know him from Tout Wars. We know him from the Labor League where he's the commissioner. 
USA Today's Steve Gardner. What's up, Steve? How are you? Hey, guys. I'm doing great. How are you? Well, we're doing well. Long time no talk, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I tell you what, man. Adam and I are getting to be good buddies. I know. You want, to, you want a regular spot on the show? We can make that for you. We can make it happen. Hey. Oh, awesome, man. Uh, in fact, we'll, we'll know our, each other's draft strategies uh, inside and out before too long. Well, speaking of draft strategies, the, the FSTA finally, finally and thankfully is done. Did your draft strategy come to fruition? Did it work out the way you wanted it to? I like the way things came together, especially early on. Got a nice base in batting average, which allowed me to take a, a couple of chances with some guys with, with some high upside. You know, Joey Gallo is uh, a batting average drain, but if you've got Mookie Betts and Charlie Blackman and Joey Votto already on your roster, you can, you can take some of those gambles. So uh, I like the way the offense turned out. Pitching, on the other hand, um, I don't know. There's, there are a few holes there, but... Um, in a team, you know, in, in a league of, of experts like that, and uh, with 14 teams, you're going to have some holes coming out of the draft. Just have to uh, improve those when you uh, get into uh, free agents and, and waiver wires and all of that. So uh, I'm looking forward to this league. Is that what happened in this draft where you just figured you liked a lot of the bats and you just didn't like the pitchers where they fell and you just said, you know what, I'm just going to take the best players, and if it means building up my offense, I'll figure out the pitching later in the draft or off the waiver wire. Was that the thought there as you were building this team? As, as the draft progressed and the offense looked really good and the pitchers that I sort of wanted would go a couple of picks ahead of me and I didn't want to like drop down another tier so I'd wait a little longer, I think what I did to address that is maybe take some guys with, with high upside that may not have you know, uh, the, the innings and stability like that. Um, Rich Hill, Nate Evaldi, uh, Hyunjin Ryu, guys like that who, when they're out there, are going to be really good but might go on the DL. Um, and I back those guys up with, with Josh Hader, who's an, a guy that I've uh, have come to like an awful lot over the last couple of years just because his ratios are so good, such great strikeouts, um, and – he also can get a few saves here and there. So if you have him in there as kind of like your swing guy, you know, not necessarily counting on him for saves, but, um, but getting a few and having those great ratios, I think he can prop up a, a pitching staff that may not look that great on the surface. Steve, you partner in FSTA with Howard Kamen, one of the nicest guys I know, two of the nicest guys I know, you and Howard. Let me ask you this. Do you, when you work with a partner – is it give and take? How does it work? Were there guys that you lost out on? Were there guys that Howard gave up on? How do you guys work seamlessly as a team? Well, you know, you know those, um, those cartoon uh, Chip and Dale, the car- cartoon chipmunks, where they say, no, you go first. No, you go first. Uh, we kind of uh, tried to defer to each other on a few of those picks, and we ended up, well, somebody's got to make a decision. So uh, that's where I kind of, if I had a preference, I would go ahead and say so, and uh, if I didn't, I'd kind of like let Howard take the lead. I think that's how uh, a successful partnership works. And um, but then again, you can't be silent if you do think that you have a preference over somebody. So uh, there were a couple of picks. Ramon Laureano, I think, uh, of Oakland was one of the later round guys that I really advocated. Howard was a little bit lukewarm on. But, you know, I see a guy that has potential to hit, you know, 15, 20 homers, steal 15, 20 bases if he's given a full 
season starting there in Oakland, and I think he will because he's so great defensively. So you have to pick your spots, but um, I think one of the things that, that being in a partnership does give you is you know that second set of eyes, especially when you're looking for free agents on the waiver wire to where two heads are uh, better than one. Sometimes it can get in the way on draft day, but during the season I think it's a big advantage. Right after Laureano, you took Trevor May. Do you think he is going to be the closer uh, for the Twins this year? I'll tell you what, I was rolling the dice here. I, I, I like the Twins. I think they're going to be better. And so looking at that and the guys that were potential closers available there in the 19th round, still looking for a second closer. So I said, you know what, let's get Trevor May. He looks like he's uh, the lead candidate right now. And we'll just, in the last round or two, let's just get Blake Parker just to be safe. Uh, or maybe Taylor Rogers. And sure enough, I waited until round 27. I passed. Those guys were still available, thinking that it would, would come back around. And both of those guys got taken coming back in the 28th round before we could snag them. So that was one of those strategic things that I thought had a real good chance of working out, but unfortunately didn't. So we'll, we'll look for uh, maybe some saves elsewhere. If it does make you feel better, Steve, I would have taken Trevor May in round 19. I was eyeing him there. I thought he would. You know what? I, I like the upside. I like the upside arm there. And the Twins don't usually like to spend money, so I think he gets the first shot. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. I mean, the, the strikeout rate and everything, you know, he had Tommy John surgery, I think, before they kept him out for all of 2017. So just coming back, I think that's, you know, he's in that classic spot of that first full season healthy um, I like his chances, and, uh, and you're right. I, I don't think the Twins are going to have you – know, Craig Kimbrell is sitting out there, and somebody's going to sign him, and it's going to – for those people who have drafted already, it's going to mess up all their speculative saves picks. Um, but I feel like the same as, as you. The Twins probably aren't going to spend that money on a closer, so uh, I think May is not a bad gamble if you can get you know, uh, the other guys to back him up later on. Matt Harvey, round 25, obviously not costing you that much. What are the chances that he turns things around and becomes a reliable pitcher with the Angels? Well, he was a lot better when he left the Mets and went to Cincinnati. Uh, I think part of that is just getting a fresh start, and there's an awful lot of, of baggage that he had there in New York to where I think he felt like he had to perform. He had to be this larger-than-life person, you know, getting – I don't want to say banished to Cincinnati because it's a it's a very fine city, but you know, out of the spotlight, I think he he got a chance to kind of just concentrate on making his pitches and and getting back to 100%. Now that he's had the off season, the the thoracic outlet surgery is behind him. He gets a, a, another fresh start, so to speak. And one of the things that I like the most about getting Matt Harvey at that point in the draft is. You look at the Angels, you've got an elite defender at shortstop in, in Anderson Simmons. You've got Mike Trout there going and getting everything in center field. You know, that's a solid up-the-middle defense. It could be that maybe he just needed a little bit more defensive support. I, I mean, the, uh, the Mets certainly didn't give a whole lot to him um, when his uh, career was winding down there. So uh, I like the opportunity in, in terms of, you know, roll the dice, kind of uh, speculations in the late rounds. I think Matt Harvey is a pretty good one. Talking to Steve Gardner from the USA Today. He's also the commissioner of the Labor Mixed League. So looking at Labor, Steve, Adam and I in our first segment, we're talking about the, uh, 
the Francisco Lindor injury, the seven to nine week calf injury. So with the labor draft coming up this Tuesday night, we were debating where he'd go. Adam thought that it could be as, as late as the second round. I thought that he'd probably go somewhere between picks 11 and 14. What are your thoughts on Lindor? Yeah, I definitely think he's no longer the first shortstop off the board. I think Trey Turner is going to be a, certainly a, maybe a safer bet, and those two are pretty close anyway, even without the injury. I'm sitting, I think, at the number 11 spot in, uh, in mixed labor. That's, that's right around the place where he might fall. And um, I'll tell you what, it's going to be tough if he's available there for me to pass because – yeah, it's going to take him the injury and the recovery is going to take him up until roughly opening day. And then, you know, who knows if he's going to be full strength at that point. But you look at everything he does, you get so much power out of that shortstop spot. Um, maybe he doesn't run as much, but he's going to be right in the middle, going to get 100 RBIs, 100 runs scored plus. That's going to be a very valuable player. So. I think he gets bumped down in the first round, but I don't know that he makes it to the second, especially in a 15-team like we have in labor. That's code word, Jordan, for Steve's taking him. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. I, I think he'll be there at 10, would be my guess. I think people are going to be a little bit fearful of this, and I do think he falls to 10 in this draft. Now, Steve, you did a draft at 2, well, the the FSTA picking number two. Now you got 10. I don't know if you've done a draft at the back end yet. Uh, how did you like your team coming out of the two spot? Is that an ideal spot to pick from this year? I think it may be the best um, because you either get Trout or bets. So you know that going in, you're going to have a five category contributor. And then I like being maybe if not on the wheel, but right next to it to where uh, I think Jeff Erickson, who was in the number one spot, uh, said after the draft that uh, we took several of the guys that he was waiting on and looking forward to snagging uh, right ahead of him. So I think that's a fun place to be because you can see there's only one team you have to worry about. And if you're kind of on the fence, whether you take a pitcher here or a hitter, you can look at what the other guy has built on, on their picks and say, all right, maybe I can wait a little bit longer because he's already got three pitchers and a closer on his roster. So I'll take the, the hitter first and then get a pitcher. I think that's a, that's a nice place to be. You know what your, um, you know what your options are going to be with those two picks. You can kind of combine them. And if you want to, you can make a run on a position. You can take two closers or two catchers or something like that. So uh, I think that's a fab fabulous place if, if you've got to, you know, you're able to pick your own draft slot. I think number two may be the optimal place. Steve, in our first segment, we were talking about how many leagues that we were going to do this year, and I said I was going to do five baseball leagues. I think Adam was closer to 10. Is there a certain number of leagues that you like to do each year? Is there a sweet spot for you where this is as many as you can handle? What do you find like you like to do over the course of the season? I'll tell you what, I, I want to be a part of so many of these leagues that it's hard to say no. And um, having, you know, running the, the labor, so I'm, I'm in the mixed league, the AL and the NL, uh, I think those are, those are locks, obviously. But then I want to play Tout Wars. I want to play the, the great fantasy baseball invitational. Um, I've got home leagues that I, that I have to play in. Um, so the number builds up pretty quickly. And um, FSTA also as well. So um, those, I think I end up being around 10 or 12. And the one thing that I do, though, is I try and be in just about every different kind of format. 
So if I'm writing or if people have questions and, and ask me about a particular league format, it's not completely foreign to me. So in that regard, I think I end up, like I said, uh, maybe 10 or 12 or so every year. I think that's, that's probably on the borderline of uh, the number that I can uh, reasonably mess with and, uh, and run successfully. But um, I'll tell you what, I, I'm amazed at uh, some of the other folks that are in even more leagues than that and still manage to be competitive in, in most, if not all of them. That's, that's a pretty special skill. What is your favorite format to play in? You know, I like I like the auction single league rotos. Those are the ones the uh, the AL labor, the NL labor, NL tout wars. Those are my favorite. I mean, you've got to go deep. You've got to have some strategy. And the auctions, I think, are, are a special uh, category among themselves. You you have to be able to manage your bankroll and read the room. I think that's what I think is the most fascinating thing in doing you know any kind of fantasy draft is trying to figure out. Here's my angle. You know, here's how the room is valuing a certain commodity, whether it's saves or steals or, or power, and to try and adjust your strategy uh, on the fly. I think that's the most fun in, in fancy drafts that you can have, and, and that's where it's, it's the most prevalent uh, in, in those single-league single, single league, roto leagues. Steve, what do you think the biggest mistake fantasy, new fantasy baseball players make when they play? I think it's probably just going with name value over um, what a player will actually, you know, uh, accomplish and will do during a season. Um, I think there's there's a tendency to to gravitate toward maybe the players you're familiar with and ignore uh, players on teams like the Marlins and the White Sox. You know, there there's some clubs out there that are that are making some strides. You know, we talked about the Twins earlier. I think the Twins are going to be you know, a lot better offensively this season, even losing Brian Dozier to free agency. So I, th- I think there are some, um, you know, some hidden values there. I, I, that's probably it. If, if you're talking about people who are novices, they go in and, oh, well, he's on the Yankees, so he's got to be good. Um, I, I think name values sometimes, especially with pitchers, trumps uh, players' true values, and, and you need to take a little bit closer look on those guys. The Yankee tax is real. Glaber Torres, <laughs> round four. Do you agree with that, or is it too early? Yeah, that seemed uh, that seemed a little early to me. But then again, you know, here I go talking about name value. I ended up taking Vladimir Guerrero Jr. one pick before that in uh, in that FSTA draft. Uh, but I'll tell you what, uh, Vlad Jr. and you guys can probably talk about this, and and we will talk about it ad nauseum going up to the beginning of the season, but this kid is just special. Uh, being able to watch him in the Arizona Fall League and um, to see him hit, it's, it's otherworldly, to tell you the truth. I mean, you talk about prospects and, and everything, having that great ability to put the barrel on the ball, he's got it. I don't know that anybody since maybe A-Rod has, has been this good, this young, I'm so excited to watch him play in the majors this season and uh, getting him in that fourth round, beginning of the fourth round. I'll, I'll take that chance to have him on at least one of my teams this year. Steve, as we move to spring training, I know at one point you used to travel around to Florida and I know you've been out to Arizona. Will you do that again this year or what, what special things do you do to pay attention before the beginning of the season? Yeah, uh, I will be going out to uh, to Arizona again this year. The the labor drafts are the first weekend in March, which will be on uh, Sirius XM. 
Um, and I'll get a chance to see not as much. I'm not traveling as much now because my, my travel schedule has been cut down. Um, but I'll still be able to see a, a, a few games there in Arizona. We'll not be going to Florida, Doc, so we'll not get a chance to take in a, a, a Twins or a Red Sox spring training game. Um, that's been fun in the past to do that with you. But, um, yeah, I, I, what I'll be looking at is just a lot of the guys that are coming back from injuries. You know, will we see – will Chris Bryant look healthy? You know, how will those guys – I was looking forward to seeing uh, Shohei Otani, but he's not even going to be – uh, hitting in spring training. So some of those guys that are coming back from injuries, Jimmy Nelson is another guy for the, uh, for the Milwaukee Brewers. Is he healthy? Is he going to be able to, uh, to be 100% going into the season? Um, those are really the big things, uh, and maybe some prospects too get a chance to play against the big guys before they get sent down to minor league camp. Um, those are the things that I'll be looking at, especially in, in those um, you know, few opportunities I get to see those guys in spring training. Well, Steve Gardner, we appreciate you. Thank you for coming on with us. And uh, we're looking forward to a labor on Tuesday night. Don't take all my players, all right? <laughs> I'll do my best. But, uh, you know, if, if I snipe Jeff Erickson, then uh, You'll I'll snipe definitely me too, right. do it to you. That's right. All right. Talk soon. Take care, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. That was Steve Gardner, USA Today's very own. Ronis, you're a very good fantasy baseball player. Yeah, always a good guest to always enjoy him having having him on the show. And uh, uh, he won, won Tout Wars last year, so good for him. Yeah, he did. I want to talk about that. When we come back, I want to talk about two things that Steve, we discussed. Having partners in leagues and those mono leagues. He said he liked it. I'm not really a fan, but maybe we'll discuss when Scout Fantasy Sports returns right after this. If you've heard of WeatherTech floor liners, you probably know that for your vehicle's floor, Nothing protects better. But what about protection for the rest of your car or truck? I'm David McNeil, founder of WeatherTech. Besides our floor liners, we design, engineer, and manufacture a wide range of automotive accessories right here in America. And just like our floor liners, everything is done to the highest standards possible. We understand what kind of investment owning a vehicle can be, so we do everything possible to help you protect it. We don't take shortcuts, and we never make concessions when it comes to quality. For everything from cargo liners to cleaning and detailing supplies to mud flaps and car covers, the one place you need to go is WeatherTech.com. So if you are familiar with our floor liners, just imagine how well the rest of our products will work for you. Learn more about our full line of automotive accessories at WeatherTech.com or call 1-800-CARMATS. WeatherTech.com, proudly made in America. Keith Irizarry is calling the shots. This guy was running on a Colorado trail, and out of nowhere, a mountain lion came and attacked him. I have always thought, in a moment like that, if this thing came running at me and I see it, I'd be like, ah, no, ah! And then, once it bit me, I think my instincts would kick in and I would uh, be in survival mode. Weekdays, 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017 World Number One. Me personally, I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker, leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your story? Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. 
All right, we're back with Scout Fantasy Sports. Dr. Roto here with Adam Ronis. And remember, you want the best fantasy baseball draft kit anywhere. And I'm not even playing around when I'm saying this. It's absolutely true. You get Sean Childs, you get Adam Ronis, you get Dr. Roto, three of the top players in the industry, and it's at scoutfantasysports.com. Enter the promo code BATS50, that's BATS50, and we'll get you 50% off your first two months. It'll take you right there to your draft time. Ronis, I need you and Sean to help me draft my teams. Well, we'll be there for you. Sean is continuing his team outlooks. His latest is a look at the Cubs, so he's completed the American League and NL East, so He's almost done, so maybe he can come on the show and uh, talk to us for a while. He won't even come on the show until he finishes. You know I know. That, right? I used to have him on like every yeah. week for football, <laughs> and I texted him. I said, hey, by the way, we moved to 2 p.m. Eastern. When you're ready to come on, let me know. He goes, okay. No, I, I texted him. I said, do you want to come on? He, no answer. I don't even get answers <laughs> from him. He's like, hold up, just writing his articles. He's crazy. Yeah, he's not even looking at his phone. He's just busy <laughs> putting these stats down because they're so in-depth. They really are. They're really in-depth. So, BATS50, that's BATS50, gets you 50% off your first two months. It's a fabulous deal. So, Adam, we, we, you know, I, I, we were talking there with Steve about partners. Now, do you – I don't really – outside of Brian and was it Vaccaro, do you partner with them? Do you partner – in all the leagues you do, how many leagues do you have partners? Uh, last year, I had two. Uh, did the NFBC auction with our boy Brian Ambos. And then I also partnered with Ed Kiss in the Greenwich Street Tavern League, which we are not doing this year. They're not running it. So, yeah, those were the only two leagues I had partners. So right now this year I will do the NFBC auction with Brian again because we have a bad taste in our mouth because we were in first place early September and our team just took a dump down the stretch and we fell out of the money. Losing Trevor Bauer really hurt some injuries, but still no excuses. You got to finished strong and that team was the opposite so uh, we will be back doing the auction in new york again this year uh, that's so, sunday let's just say for argument's sake there's a player i don't know any player that you like Ronis, let's say jose ramirez and you think he's a 30 dollar player and ryan and brian wants to bid more how do you resolve that with a partner uh once he goes to 31 you just kind of Put him in a headlock and don't allow him to go higher. Uh, no, nah, but we, we agree on most players. No one's ever going to be 100%. So there might be a dispute on some, but we generally talk pretty much about everything beforehand. And we'll know who kind of look at me and, you know, I'll give him the thumbs up. Um, and, you know, I guess. Does he do the bidding or do you do the he bidding? He does the bidding. Um, okay. And, uh, you no. know, he'll kind of, we'll just look at each other, kind of discuss it. You know, we got Trout last year early and we, uh, we got him pretty cheap. I think 42, 43. Oh, that's cheap. That is yeah. cheap. Yeah. And that's the thing about the auction. Sometimes if you jump in early enough and get that player, uh, maybe it was 45. It was cheap, though. We definitely didn't go to 50. It was definitely somewhere between 43 and 45. And then, you know, I, I think maybe bets might have gone a little bit more. So that's one of the things in the auction. If you jump in a little bit early sometimes, you might get someone a, a little below market value. No, that's for sure. But th there were times like in the head-to-head -head auction last year, dude, Pitchers were going for astronomical value. $60 for Kershaw, 58 for Scherzer. I mean, I, I just was unprepared for that. It was a little crazy. Yeah, head-to-head -head league, people emphasize the pitching a little bit more, and it's important, but if you invested all that money in Kershaw last year, you were disappointed. Now, you could say, well, what about Max Scherzer, 300Ks? Okay, it worked, but you got to understand there's always going to be more risk with a pitcher because they're not guaranteed – to stay healthy. I mean, you could say the same thing about bats, but 
Look at a lot of the pitchers that we're seeing go in the first two, three rounds right now. Several of them were in the double-digit rounds last year. So that's right. the key is kind of finding those bargains. You know, Trevor Bauer, I loved Bauer last year. I wrote a piece in our draft kit saying, could Bauer throw 200 innings and strike out 200 this year? And I went through it, and I said, I think there's a good shot. Now, he didn't get to 200 innings because he got hurt late in the year, but he got the 200 Ks, and it was the first time in his career his ERA was on the four because he made an adjustment, and the slider was really good in the second half of 2017. So that's the key. Now he's going in round three. I'll take him in round three. I still like him. But we got to find those cheaper pitchers. And Bauer at 16 bucks last year was an absolute steal. Well, I spent 25 bucks on DeGrom. And I spent like 23 bucks on you, Darvish. Now, Darvish didn't pan out, but DeGrom Don't was remind me, Doc, about but, Darvish. I know, but DeGrom, dude, I mean, worth every penny at 25 bucks. Are you kidding? That was a steal of the draft. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, DeGrom is money in the bank. I mean, people look at last year and think like that's the first time DeGrom has been a good pitcher since he came up he just took it to another level last year Darvish I made a mistake on I'm so mad because I liked Garrett Cole a lot that's another guy I wrote about in our draft kit saying people who are looking at this always oh, going to the American League it hurts no he was leaving Pittsburgh to go to Houston and we saw what they did I got Cole in round seven of tout and I did have Darvish ranked higher than Cole and in the auction for the NFBC, we took Darvish because we both liked him, and Cole was the same price. I look back, I'm like, man, if we would have gotten Cole instead with Bauer, changes the season. But I can't go back. I liked Darvish, and obviously it was wrong. Uh, and the guy just couldn't stay healthy. I thought what he did with the Dodgers going to the Cubs, that it would stick, and he'd be good in the National League, and didn't work out as, once again, he couldn't stay healthy. Yeah, I, I, I he is toxic for me there's no way i touch him this year i just have zero confidence in him i was losing my confidence in him even last year i, I took him because i thought the price was right do you know when you draft a guy because the price is right but you, or the round is right but you don't really like him i, I did that last year with darvish and i regret it you no know, i liked him i thought he would be good but the health was a major problem and uh, i did take him i think in two leagues uh definitely that auction i think i took him in a draft champions league too and fortunately i didn't get stuck with him elsewhere all right, Steve took Vladimir Guerrero in round four. Is that a genius, great pick because this guy is the next superstar, or is that a bit early? The latest I've seen him go. I've seen him go in the second round of draft. So I think that's the, the so spot. Where would, you, where would you take him? Fourth. Maybe fourth. third. I mean, the, I think he'll be up. If you're picking 10, are you taking him in round three? Uh, well, I am in a draft now picking 11, Okay. and I just made a pick. He was on the board, and I did not take him. So Who'd there's you your take? answer. Who'd you take? Noah Syndergaard, first pitcher. I can't say. Who'd you take in the first two rounds? Uh, Machado and Freeman. I think you needed a pitcher there, right? Yeah. So that's why. And I thought that there was a drop-off after Syndergaard. I know he has his risk, but... Uh, let's, say also- you, let's say you had taken a pitcher earlier. Would you have changed that thought and taken Guerrero? Uh, no, there's a couple other bats on the board that I would take over. But, I mean, Vlad can hit. I mean, there's no question about it. That Blue Jays team does suck. On the way back, if he's there on the way back, interested? Yeah. Okay. Doesn't mean you're taking him, but you're interested. Yes. Okay. That Blue Jays team, I heard you uh, discuss that a little bit this, this AM. They are wretched. Yeah, it's a bad team, man. It really is. That pitching staff, uh, you know, I didn't even realize how bad it was until I looked, and I was like, oh, I guess because I haven't been drafting any Blue Jays pitchers that I forgot uh, about them. 
But the problem is, is that, you know, I try, I always talk about the pathways, right? I look at a pathway and see, how does this team get better? Dude, I don't see it. I mean, I love Guerrero and I love Bo Bichette and I like Danny Jansen. I see how the offense improves, but that pitching staff is so heinous. That could take like 10 years to get better. Yeah, they have some bats in the minor leagues. Biggio's kid as well is down there. So they do have some good young offensive talent. But right now, especially at the major league level with this pitching staff, you know, Marcus Stroman, that's their top guy right now. And it's not good enough. He's not a guy that's going to pile up the strikeouts. And he's a ground ball pitcher. But on that turf, it, it kind of hurts. Aaron Sanchez has shown ability, but he cannot stay healthy. Uh, they added Matt Shoemaker. They just don't have enough in this pitching staff, especially to compete in the American League East when you have the Red Sox, Yankees, and the Rays, too. I mean, the Rays find a way to win and produce every single year, even though they don't spend a lot of money. Oh, my God. I'd much rather be a, the Rays owner than the, than the Blue Jays owner. And, you know, Ken Giles, who I've liked, and he was dominant last year, that bullpen in Toronto, they have nobody to get him the ball. I don't know how they get from the – I don't know how Giles gets the saves. Not that he won't close it out. He will. But he may not get the opportunities. Yeah, Ryan Tapera's all right. He showed some things last year. David Polino's an interesting arm who maybe winds up starting. But, yeah, it's not – the deepest bullpen, uh, for sure. You know, you mentioned the Rays. I just think the Rays are a very clever organization where they get a lot of these guys who are good and young, and then they got to get rid of them. But they're all a lot of good players. I mean, I, Wendell I like, Adamas I like, Pham I like, Austin Meadows I like, Kiermaier I like, they're, uh, Alvarado I like, Snell. I can name you like 10, 12 Rays that I like, Ronas. Yeah, and they have good arms. Obviously, Blake Snell uh, going very early in drafts like that last uh, this year with the breakout. I think Charlie Morton can still be good. Tyler Glass now was a good trade getting medals and Glass now. Uh, Glass now has obviously shown a lot of ability. Has two really good pitches and turned things around when he went to Tampa last year. There's a lot of buzz on him. Uh, obviously, they'll use the opener in a couple of games. Uh, Jose Alvarado. Good arm at the back of the pen. If he closes, Diego don't forget Castillo. Brent Honeywell. By the way, he was their pitcher of the uh, in the organization until he got injured at the beginning of last year. Yeah, um, and we'll see when he is ready. But yeah, they they have good arms, man. This is a it's a good team. This is a good team. How many games do you think this team can win? Uh, eighty five in that range. Yeah, I do too. Maybe next week we'll get the uh, over under for the for the games, and we'll go through the teams and see what what we would pick. Okay, we can do that. Yeah. Um, let's see. Going back to, to Steve Gardner's team here for a second. I know we talked previously about Joey Gallo, who can either hit a home run or strike out. In round 21, he takes Mike Zunino, who's the king of hitting 210. I know Steve has a lot of guys who have for good averages, but can you afford to have both Gallo and Zunino? I mean, that's like 600 at-bats of bad. Yeah, but he has a ton of at-bats of good. As he mentioned, with Betts, Blackman, Vlad, Votto, Seager, Jeanette, I mean, even in Ciarte, Guriel. Guriel's a good average guy. So he's got a lot of solid average baked in, and that's my guess as to why he took Zanino and felt like, all right, you know, he could get 20 to 25 home runs, even though the average is bad. So for his team, yeah, it worked. Uh, there are going to be a lot of other teams where it wouldn't, and it would sink your average, but I think with all that, High floor batting average baked in early in his picks. I think it works. When we look at Steve's pitching staff, he's got Nola, Fultonevich, and then Rich Hill, Iovaldi, Ryu, Shasin, Harvey. 
Can you win with that, or are you always looking for one more pitcher? Yeah, he'll be looking. I mean, obviously, going into the year, you don't feel great about that pitching staff, but there's the waiver wire. There'll be guys that emerge. Uh, there's trades. So that is, as he mentioned, usually you are going to have some type of weakness in a 14, 15-team league coming out of the draft. Obviously, you'd like to have balance, but oftentimes you are going to come out with an area of weakness. And for him, it is the starting pitching, but really good offensive team. And maybe he uses a couple of those pieces to make a move uh, to trade for a starter at some point, you know, or he hopes one of the guys that he took late, like a Matt Harvey, as he alluded to, uh, can turn things around and be better than where he was picked. It was interesting. I was looking at uh, Colton and the Wolfman here. Colton took uh, Addison Russell in the 29th and final round uh, just to cover the Lindor pick there. I liked Addison Russell about two or three years ago. He's been a tremendous disappointment. But he, at one time, was the most highly regarded prospect in the athletics organization. Do you think he could rebound at all? It's possible. I mean, obviously, the off-the-field stuff has not helped him. And we know with the Cubs that they tend to move players around. So uh, he's in a position right now where it's uh, not ideal for him, um, you know, because they got a, a lot of moving parts there. So... Uh, I haven't really seen him grow that much. You know, I expected more at this point, too, and it hasn't happened. So I want to talk about – Steve mentioned a player that I want to discuss here. So I made a trade offer in my home league for Ramon Laureano. Laureano's $3 going to 8 Ronas, and I offered Robbie Ray, who's 11 going to 16 and Ronetto Dorr, who's 20 going to 25 and Randall Grichuk, which is 6 going to 11 I offered all three guys for Laureano. And I was told no, because the guy didn't want to add salary before the auction. Do you agree when people say that, or do you, would you rather have three players who are promising? What would you have done with that trade offer? I'd have to know what the rest of the roster is, um, because like I've been getting trade offers in my league, and I'm pretty good with what I have. I like my keepers, and I'm not really looking to make moves at this point. So that could be the same situation, and maybe this guy – is very high on Loriano and said, thinks that he is going to be a 15-20 guy. And at that price says, you know what, I'm keeping him. I mean, I like Odor, but that is a, you know, 25 is not a bar. Not it's value. Cheap. It's value, yeah. right. Ray and, Ray and Odor are, and Grichuk are all at value. They're not, they're not good buys. They're all at value. Right. So, I mean, yes. I mean, you, when you look at it, you're like, oh, wow, I'd rather take those three players. But, I mean, I don't know how, what the keeper uh, limit is, and maybe he, he's good, and Laureano's a part of his puzzle. Do you find that – are you willing to take money before an auction draft, or would you rather go in with money and figure out what you could do at the draft? I used to always try and get the bargains, but actually this year I probably – Looking at teams, I think I was going to have the most, uh, the least money available. And I was in that position last year, but I didn't care. I mean, right now I'm looking at keeping Trout, Yelich, Story, um, Cole, maybe, and, and I'm debating my fifth. And they're all not cheap. I mean, they're cheap for what they are, but most people in my league, they like to keep the real cheap players and have money available. The problem with that is when you know everyone has money available, these guys get way overinflated, you know? So, like, I'm probably going to keep Cole somewhere in the high 20s. I know if I throw him back, he's going for at least 40. So, might as well just keep him, even though everyone else will have cheaper values, but it's going to force other people to pay 40 to 45 for similar arms in the tier of Cole if they become available. So, why deal with that? 
I always prefer to keep more guys. I do because of the I don't like having too much money at the draft. I find I'm a better drafter with less money because sometimes, oh, I don't want to pay 40. I want to pay 32. And then I wait and I lose a guy. At least if I have them all, I don't have to worry about it. That is my biggest weakness in auctions. I wait way too long to spend, and I've been trying to improve on that. And, you know, we did a better job uh, of that in the NFBC auction last year by getting Trout early. Um, but, but even uh, I had Ian Khan on a couple weeks ago, and we were in a, we're in a league together, the Gotham League here. Is he an York. actor, by the way? An actor yeah. and a player? Because yeah. he's in, he's in uh, my Tout Wars League now. Yeah, no, he's he's a good player. So we were sitting next to each other in the draft last year, and uh, we fought over some players, and we were making comments, and we had similar perspectives. He won the league. I was able to finish in the money third. But, uh, yeah, like, we were going over our teams, and in that league, I didn't spend more than, I think, $33 on a player, and he was the same way. He didn't spend a high amount. But then the other league where I spent on Trout. So different ways to win uh, for sure. All right, who's coming up in hour number two, Adam? I will have uh, Tim Heaney from Rotowire. He is also in that Gotham League, and I was sitting next to him last year, too, and uh, we had similar views. We would look at each other on some of the buys and shake our heads. So uh, we were uh, agreeing on a lot of things, and we were also in the same uh, Fantasy Baseball Invitational League last year as well. Tim is the head of the Kerry Russell fan club. You can remind him of that. Okay, I'll do that. He loves (laughs) it. All right, guys, it's time to put away the insurance cards, put away the copay. Hour number one is done. I'm out of here. I wish you all a great weekend. Keep it right here for hour number two with Adam and Scout Fantasy Sports. We'll be back right after this.